welcome to another episode of Only the Brave Have Fun. This is your host, Chazbear, and today's guest is Brad Cote. Now, Brad is sought after a business consultant for health practice owners seeking to grow and scale their health practices from attracting new clients to hiring systems to sales, conversions, and more. Brad's goal is to identify primary area of opportunity, then implement a strategy and system to both address and overcome limitations. So in this episode, we are going to take a deep dive into how to really build a health practice, how to make sure you don't plateau, uh, don't get into that rut of, um, you know, getting stuck in that with the common challenges of health practice owners. And he's going to really give us an insight, his wisdom, and share his knowledge, over 12 years of knowledge in the health industry. So let's welcome Brad. Brad, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming. For people that don't know you, um, how would you introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks for having me on here. Um, what I say is I'm a health, um, health practice owner myself, as well as a health practitioner, and I really focus on helping health practice owners uh, grow and systematize their business so that they can generate more revenue and have more control over their health practices. Sure. And, and, and uh, what are the common, common key challenges that, that these business uh, owners have, uh, especially around the health sector, health practices rather? Well, there's, there's kind of two components to that question. And the first one is there's what people think is the problem. And then there's actually what is really the problem. So uh, a big problem that people think that they have is they always need new patients. Uh, they've always got to get new people coming in the door. And the reality is, is that might be the case, but often there's other components that could be um, limiting them from you know, achieving the revenue goal or the patient goal that they have. Right. Okay. And, and uh, what was your background before you kind of got into doing what you're doing now? So um, before I started getting into health practice coaching, I owned um, and I still have like uh, clinics for um, uh, performance therapy. And uh, I also ran a gym, a facility. I've been a personal trainer as well as a RMT and DOMP um, uh, therapist for a long period of time. Um, I've worked with people kind of in, in every aspect from actually being with people in the hospital doing post rehab. Um, to NFL and NHL professional athletes. Sure. Okay. And and um, so let's let's talk about you know that some of the uh, what are the kind of um, stages of business and 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 you know when you're growing your health practice and then what's the purpose of each one and what it does what it does and how you can kind of go through that. Sure. So uh, the main thing is uh, what I what I've identified is um, so I have a uh, a program and essentially it's called the preeminent practice and in that program there's essentially four stages of business and what we really try to do and what we kind of do differently and, and I kind of went through this being the systems based guy that I am uh, was really being able to identify where someone is currently and what their main focus their main problems are and and what the goal and outcome should be so essentially there's four main um, sections of the uh, business or where someone could be in. And the first stage is the building phase. So generally for health practice, it's going to be somewhere between zero to kind of a hundred thousand, $150,000 a year. And the goal really here is really your proof of concept, establishing yourself as, um, as uh, you know, in the community and, and being a little bit more preeminent. Um, so the goal really there is, is you got to get revenue going because uh, that's ultimately what's going to be able to help you, you know, remove yourself a little bit from the business, hire other people, um, and, and be able to invest, you know, in marketing campaigns and so on. Uh, the second stage we've got is the building stage. 
And that's when you've got a bit more traction, you've got a proof of concept. Generally, people have, have a specific or targeted niche at this point. Um, so someone would say, you know, I'm a physical therapist for runners who have uh, knee problems and they want to run a marathon or 10K or whatever it is. Um, so now they, they've got a um, more specific type of clientele. Their goal really here is focusing on creating systems as well as the culture to be able to build off of going into the future. And generally, they're going to be doing around a sub $500,000 a year in a, in a health practice. The stage after that is more of the priming stage. That's generally uh, five hundred to kind of a million um, dollars a year. And the main goal here is being able to optimize your departments. When people get to this stage, what often happens is if they didn't really have solidified systems before, they didn't have the right hires and onboarding and so on, you end up becoming very inefficient. So a lot of the times when people start growing, you know, they'll hire more therapists, they'll hire the front desk, and they start trying to scale. The problem is, is because they don't have the right systems in place, they actually become less profitable, become more stressful because, you know, they're, they're trying to grow with uh, unstable foundation, so to speak. So really about here is about optimizing each department. So uh, essentially, I break down departments as marketing, sales, operations, and finance. So your job there as the, as the business owner is to be able to make sure that each department is running as smoothly as possible so that ultimately you can scale and you know, you're not constantly taking a step forward and then taking a step back because someone quits and so on. And then uh, the last stage is really optimizing and that's over a million dollars a year. The big focuses here are on maximizing your ROI and profitability from, uh, from the business, as well as I always say, maximizing community impact. Because once you've had some success, and especially being brick and mortar type facility in a community, it's really, uh, to me, about being able to give back, especially to the people that are coming in and seeing you and, and so on. So at this stage, I like to really focus on um, you know, maximizing your, your joint venture partnerships and being able to contribute uh, more so in creating kind of an omnipresence within the community that you're serving. Um, and the goal really here is, is you know, your profitability and impact. Sure. And then how do you kind of, uh, kind of diagnose what's wrong in your business? Well, we have an intake process. Um, so anyone who comes to us, essentially, we, we go through a more in-depth uh, intake process to ask them some key questions based on their business. And we generally like to um, have the uh, practitioner have some, some of the records with them so that we can at least, uh, or they should be able to know some of their, their numbers and, and how things are. That gives us a bit of a gauge about where they are in the business um, so that we can give them the most applicable strategy that's going to help them get um, past that specific point where they are. Because like I said, often people will say, you know, hey, you need, new, you need a bunch of new clients or patients. Great. Sign up for this marketing-based program. Well, it might be applicable for, let's say, three or four people. But there's other people who they might not need to spend money on that. They might need to spend money on a better hiring process, or they might need to spend money on a um, follow-up sequence for past patients that have fallen off, or they need to train their therapists on how to be able to uh, uh, sell or prescribe a plan of care and be able to get them committed and so on. Sure. And then how do you look at things like like overcoming challenges and, and obstacles of um, obstacles that affect growth of the business? Um, can you give me like a specific example? So, so for example, you know, you mentioned, so you, so you go into a business and you've diagnosed that there might be a certain, um, you know, certain challenge that you might put a system in for, but generally overall, there's always, no matter what industry or business you're in, you know, there's certain challenges uh, that you have. So for example, 
for a for a corporate leader in a software company, what worked for a five man team may not work for a 15, 20 man team, right? And and that's one of the challenges. It's a people challenge uh, that specifically affects them in that situation. What about kind of health practices? What kind of challenge challenges do they come across as their practice grows? Yeah, so um, that's kind of like uh, sort of why we triage where businesses are, because generally, like what stage you're in is going to give you kind of like the example you gave. Uh, an idea about what is probably going to be the biggest problem. So if someone's gotten to like a priming stage and they're doing $500,000 a year, they more than likely don't have a revenue problem. They probably have a specific niche and they've had some success. But what they might have is a stability-based problem. So they might not have a specific systems in place to allow them to take on agents or they might not have a system in place to be able to allow them to scale because they can't attract quality therapists, for example or they can't attract or retain quality therapists or whatever that might be. Um, so as obstacles come up, generally when we're working with people, um, we, have a, we have like a roadmap and, and you know, essentially like there's stages that you, you would follow as a path in order you know, that are kind of important. But you know, things do come up and we might need to pivot to be able to identify to say, you know, hey, you know, six months from now, you're going to need to hire a new therapist based on the amount of leads that you're getting. So what we really try to do is, is map out quarterly plans and a year plan with someone and say, okay, well, this is where you are now. This is where you want to be. These are the things that need to happen. So we give them a bit more of a, of a plan and a strategy over the longer term so that we minimize those obstacles. And as long as the person is on the right track and following and compliant and getting the coaching where they need, they generally are, are able to stay pretty strict to the line. Um, we haven't had too many scenarios where things go kind of aberrant. It does happen. We've had uh, before where like a, a car backed into the into the side of the building and the people could work, uh, flooding damage, stuff like that. I mean, those scenarios like you know you can't really you can't really plan for too too much. Or I don't know yeah. anyone who really plans to say you know we're going to be shut down for three months because of this. But yeah, I mean, unfortunately, things do happen. Uh, but most of the time, I think if you sit down and actually have a strategy about where you want to be and almost reverse engineer what needs to happen, that's going to, be, that's going to eliminate a lot of the obstacles. I think too many people, they just think in their head, I got to get new people. Well, they get new people. Well, and then what happens is, well, I got a bunch of new people, but I don't have anyone to serve them. So then, you know, I, I've been through these problems myself throughout the years and so on. And that's kind of where I uh, really got into a different mindset to think more strategically, if that answers your question. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, you earlier touched on earlier on, on, on um, you know, s- systems and, and automation. How important is it to have those in players? And, and, and at the same time, if I was just speaking to someone early, earlier on about being more agile in business and, and, and having those systems in place, having being more agile, I mean, with health practices, does that, does that work? Does that fit in? So first of all, how, how important is the automation and, and, uh, and systemizing? I really look at like um, saying like a preeminent health practice is really based on uh, three main components, which are the structure, the systems, and the strategies. And um, I think that systems, in my experience, are like very, very important to have because they're really the the systems are really dictating on how the business runs. So your process or your system is really your IP. And um, it doesn't mean that it can't change and it will be fluid as your business grows because the system that you have when you're an independent practitioner starting out, is not going to be the same system when you got 12 people working with you. There may be components that are the same, um, but you may need to change and kind of uh, adapt different concepts and always looking to kind of improve as the baseline. 
but the systems that are really, really, really important as you start to grow because they help to set standards and processes for how you want certain things done. In terms of like automations, I think it's always best if you can automate uh, anything that you really do more than once, if possible. Um, but with that being said, you know, I really am a believer in having the human touch as well. And especially being in a health practice, that's, uh, you know, getting people at more vulnerable stages or you're really helping them with their health, which is a very intimate thing. You know, there's automations that we do, but we also want to incorporate uh, the human touch. So for example, if you're a brand new patient that comes, what might happen is there's an automation that goes to the front desk to say, you know, hey, uh, you know, Bob came in today and he came in for his low back and these are the notes about him. Give him a call. You know, give him a call tomorrow to let him know, uh, just to follow up with him and see how everything is, and make sure that he's still confirmed for his appointment. So it's small things like that where the you know the front desk would get an automation. They would call the person and say, "Hey, you know, you came in yesterday. I just wanted to check in, make sure everything's okay. I've got you booked in for next week. Is there anything we can do in the meantime?" And we also send them a handwritten note to just to thank you uh, for trusting us with your health. Feel free to reach out to us anytime that you have. Send it to them in mail. There's a couple of reasons. You know, obviously we're, we're touching base more. We're creating that omnipresence. We're providing more value. You know, and that process is semi-automated, yeah. but you know, there's certain things that I don't think work as well that I've seen. You know, for, uh, for example, the dentist sends me five thousand text messages that are I know are automated and is a bot saying, "Hey, come in for your checkup." Hey, come in for this. Hey, we got a discount off this. Like in those, I think you start actually, you know, destroying the relationship as opposed to um, you know benefiting it, so to speak. Uh, if that makes sense. Sure. Okay. And, and uh, so it's really looking at where you can automate and where you can, you know, make that connection with your customers, your patients rather. And that's how kind of the, the two blend works. Okay. And in terms of, you know, some of the key skills sets that perhaps are overlooked in, in you know, scaling the business, um, what, are, what are they? Yeah, I, I think one of the, one of the biggest um, skill, set, uh, skill sets that gets overlooked is realistically the um, the business owner or the entrepreneur themselves, and I think the mindset of the owner is absolutely crucial in being able to be successful. And often, uh, it's very easy for you know at any stage of the business for the health practice owner, you know, really gets stuck into kind of like a tunnel vision. So you know, I speak with health practice owners all the time. I had a physiotherapist that I spoke with uh, yesterday, and you know, her focus is so much on getting new clients and, and, uh, you know, I, I got to grow my business. I've got another therapist who's starting and I don't have enough clients for them that they're not really looking at the 30,000 foot view. So, you know, she really needs to get uh, better. And that's one thing we work on is being able to kind of just stop and think, okay, we've got a period of six months for certain changes to happen. So what needs to happen in this week? Obviously it's not going to be, I'm not going to get 200 new patients this week. You know, I've got to be able to plan. So it's it's getting people to kind of stop and and get out of their heads and to start looking more objectively at where they are and where they want to be instead of getting really emotionally attached. And I know that's extremely challenging for most people. It's challenging for me and, and everyone I talk to. But it's it's really working on that skill set of your mindset because if you don't have that, you're going to really have a hard time, especially when things don't go as well. You know, when when that flood happens, like you know, what do you what do you do? the end of the day, it's like your mindset's what really pulls you. So I think that that's absolutely crucial. The other skill set with, with kind of tied into the mindset is being able to look at your business objectively and be able to look at uh, the departments and say, you know, do I really need new 
a ton of new patients? Or do I need to retain the ones that I have? Or do I need to reactivate ones who came and saw me before and you know, kind of fell off? That's part of being a business owner, that, is, that tactical kind of strategic thinking, which is really what sets people apart. Because while certain people are spending tons and tons and thousands, and I've seen it before, you know, two, three, four thousand dollars a month on attracting new clients, but their attrition rate is absolutely terrible. It's like, you know, they're losing, you know, 10 to 15% of people who are coming in every single month. So what happens is they're spending a lot of money not getting as much of a result. Well, the reality is, is that if they just retained 50% more people, they would need to get less people coming in. Their cost per lead would go down or the acquisition cost. The lifetime value would increase and they would actually be able to spend more to acquire a client uh, in a marketing campaign, which ultimately, as, as Dan Kennedy, the, the great marketer says, whoever can spend the most to acquire a new client wins. So it's being able to... St- to kind of see strategically and think like that, that's absolutely crucial. Moving, moving into, you mentioned something very interesting. So moving into, you know, now in the next decade, so sorry, I should have said Happy New Year, which I didn't. Happy New Year. <laughs> um, so with this next decade coming in, you know, beginning of the next decade, um, there's a lot of push on automation and, you know, apps are, uh, uh, you can now find a GP on your app and, you know, help physicians and trainers on your, on your app. How do you think that industry is changing? I no longer need to, if I don't like my GP right now um, or my, my general practice, so I can, I can go and find someone else or I can get a diagnosis then. And I know it's almost like taking your car to a couple of garages before you know which one's the right one for you. How do you see the whole that industry and market changing? Yeah, I mean, it's, I think that there's a couple of things that with that. And the first one is that will never change is it's about building relationships and providing value to people. And that's really what preeminence really is. If you're able to create that preeminence and you are able to provide that relationship and value, people will have no reason to want to switch. Um, I think that it's with the access to information and how easy it is to market to people and, and you know, cheap and cost effective. Like, you know, 30 years ago, you'd have to get on TV in order to get an ad out for a doctor. Now you can throw ads on Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is and reach a massive audience. And, you know, there comes pros and cons. And I think that the people who can build that preeminence by building relationships, focusing on specific problems and providing value to those people is really going to delineate the really serious people who are focused on, on their clients with people who are just trying to, trying to exist and take a part, portion of the marketplace. Um, so I think that that's like one thing that's going to have to be a main focus, even more so. Not that it should have ever went away to begin with, but um, it's going to be a main, main focus. And I think that, you know, with new platforms and making it easier and all of, you know, agencies and people trying to learn all these marketing things, I think you're going to be people, consumers are going to get more inundated with ads, um, with the options of seeing other people. So the only real way that I see that you can really um, stand out is one, you know, really define your niche and, you know, who you're, who you're targeting and what your problem you're solving for that person, but also creating that preeminence, that authority, credibility, and expertise in that field, build those relationships and nurture those relationships. You know, that's, that's going to be, in my opinion, a really big key in what I've, um, you know, used in my practices as well as the uh, uh, clients that I work with now. Sure. And and what's uh, what's next with Brad now? So moving into the new decade, what's what's the next big thing for you? Well, the big the big thing for me is I want to be able to help uh, ten thousand health practice owners essentially grow their businesses and you know not be take total control, so they're not stressed out about you know getting the next patient or paying bills or rent or whatever it is. So the big thing for me is um, really optimizing the programs that I have 
making sure that we're getting the best results possible for the clients that we have um, so that they can make a bigger impact for patients. Uh, that's ultimately was my biggest goal when I first started out, um, you know, as a solo trainer and practitioner, uh, you know, I quickly learned, you know, with a, you know, 20, 30 clients, like I, I could only help and make that big of an impact. But if I have a group of people, you know, it's easier to make an impact. So that's why I kind of started that business and clinic. And, you know, now if I'm able to help health practice owners, I can make an even massive, bigger impact while growing a community. Um, and really that's, that's built on that preeminence by providing value and relationships and ultimately standing out in the competition and, and everything else in the marketplace. What, what's the kind of percentage rate of, you know, health practices being successful and, you know, as, an, as a kind of industry, if you like. So what's the kind of success rate for them? How many fail and how many, you know, when they start up, how many fail and how many survive? I, I don't entirely know the exact stats. It sort of depends on where the, what's going on. So some of the stats that I have read, they're different between like a private practice who's like a solo practitioner as well as like a clinic or big multidisciplinary clinics. And one thing, you know, to really make a point of is that there's a lot of private practice owners that I work with who are not doing very well. They're in business. They've been in business for a couple of years. Like that physiotherapist has been in business for six years. Um, but, you know, she's barely scraping by by the time she's paying rent and stuff. So I think part of it also is the quality of life that the, that the person is, is uh, working in. But I think there still is probably a, you know, a higher failure rate like traditional type businesses. Um, Canada, I have... You know, it's a little bit different than the U.S. I have some people in the U.S. It's different, but Canada, like we have benefits. So, you know, if you are a therapist here, often people will have health benefits that they can utilize and apply. Uh, so they kind of stay afloat a little bit longer that way. Um, but you, there's massage therapists that have like 2,000 clients, and you know, there's no way you're seeing that many people. But what happens is, you know, they use their benefits and they they kind of go on. So, you know, really, I guess it's it's partly defining what really success is. And to me, if you're just in business and you're kind of just paying the bills and barely getting by, I don't think that, that this is sort of a high paying job, not necessarily a, a you know, successful business, so to speak. Sure. Well, awesome. So before we end the show, would you like to say anything else? Not particularly, I guess. I mean, the thing uh, is, if you want to find more information about me, you can uh, access me on my website, bradcody.com, C-O-T-E. Or you can join the health practice um, growth strategies group on Facebook where we share different ideas and it's a free group for health practice owners to, to join. Awesome. I was going to ask you next anyway, how, how can people find and connect with you? Perfect. Then <laughs> you read my mind there. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, and yeah, good luck with your uh, future ventures. Awesome. Yeah, it was great. Thank you for listening to another episode of Only the Brave Have Fun. I hope you got some great value and insights from this episode. And if you're someone who wants to transition from being an employee to an entrepreneur, then I have some great free resources for you. If you visit www.jazbearaurora.com, that's www.jazbearaurora.com, and drop me a line, I will send you an ebook and also a one-hour masterclass. And also... Um, Go and take the Escape the 95 survey, uh, which will help you understand where you are right now um, and where the gaps are in your knowledge to transition from being an employee to an entrepreneur. And if you're a business and you need help growing or if you have any uh, issues that you'd like to discuss, then yeah, once again, visit the website and I'll be more than happy to help you. Thank you for listening.